The only push-up you won't be able to do is the one you never do. Hello and welcome to episode 491 of Under the Cull of MS. This is going to be a Wellness Wednesday episode. Talk about some MS, some other health stuff, whatever we can come across. Remember, I'm not a doctor. I'm just going over stuff that people keep sending me and reading it over, looking at it, giving my opinion, see how it affects my life with multiple sclerosis. And if it's something that interests you and thinks you think it might be something you want to look into, then you can research yourself some stuff and talk to your doctor, your medical uh, crew about whatever it is that caught your ear And maybe you can find something that can help you with some issues you've had in the past and make life a little bit better in your future. Who knows? Or you'll find some some information about something that you didn't know that you're like, oh, that's why I'm having that problem. That's like, so who knows? But I am not a doctor, so don't take my advice. Just. You're welcome to listen to me just babble away about what I have piled up in my files and I'm just trying to clean everything out. So see what we come across today. We got a bunch of them brought up, ready to go. So hopefully we'll get through at least a few of them. Uh, As far as everything else is going, I... have been having bladder issues where I just felt like I had half the mass area to pee through. And it's like, just, I knew things were wonky. Something was wrong for the past. Oh, I'd say good month now. Things have been building up, getting worse and worse. Uh, Bladder-wise, having all kinds of different little side issues and stuff happening. And I was thinking more along the lines that my bladder medication isn't working the way it's supposed to. It's not emptying my bowel the way it's supposed to. And I did not even think about with those issues that you got a chance that you'll end up with a urinary tract infection. If you're not emptying the bladder, which I know all those things, but I just wasn't, I was, wasn't thinking about that taking effect. I've been taking two to three types of bladder medication a day. So it's like, well, why would I have to worry about getting a UTI. I haven't, I luckily, knock on wood, haven't had, well, I don't know why I'm knocking on wood now, (laughs) a little too late, but haven't had a UTI in probably, I want to say a year and a half, two years, if not longer. I can't remember when the last one was, but my, but I called my doctor, doctor's nurse today, and I'm like, yeah, last night 
I went to the bathroom and I could feel the sensation getting worsening and the burning starting and yeah, this is disgusting talk by the way. <laughs> uh, and I knew right then and there, it's like, yep, I got a freaking UTI again. So I sat there and did. Oh, I found a bottle of cranberry and I jumped on that. Take two pills of that a day. Three, oh, two pills, three times a day of that. I think it's 450 milligrams or something like that of cranberry. But, uh, so I started that last night at midnight. And then, of course, all night long. And for guys, it's completely different than for girls, apparently, because I've dealt with two ladies that, I've had to run around with UTIs in the past six months that they didn't know they had them for the longest time until they went in for their yearly exam and had their, did their urine test and their blood test. And then they found out, oh, yeah, you got a UTI. It's like, apparently women don't feel it unless it's in a bad stage, but you should be able to notice the cloudiness, the darker colored urine with the cloudiness in it and i would assume women would have blood clots once in a while and pus maybe but for us guys or at least for me it's uh basically starts out where it feels like your urethra is half the size that it usually is and so it's harder to pee and then when you're done going you're like oh i don't feel like i emptied my bladder and then gradually it starts to get a little burnage going and this whole time you're you'll notice the cloudiness the darker urine and stuff and i drink a lot of water so usually my urine's clear or close to clear but uh lately i have backed off a little and then last night i had a couple cocktails because or two nights ago i had a couple cocktails because my uh washington commanders which i cannot get used to that name football team was playing or that was monday night football and uh so I didn't have as much water that night, so I'm guessing maybe that's why it enhanced it a little bit that day, and I noticed it more that night. And then it can advance to a lot of burning, very short, uh, small deposits of urine here and there, leakage going on, uh, blood clots, coming out with the urine which can be like peeing a clump of something out and along with that you also might have some pus <laughs> it's like 
yeah, it can be really nasty for guys and apparently for women, it can be normal. You don't really notice much unless you have it go on too long and then you get extra pain and stuff. But I've been feeling kind of wonky physically for the past month. So it's like, I'm hoping maybe once I get these antibiotics in me, you can, and we wipe this thing out, maybe I'll, that'll make a couple issues I've been dealing with a little bit better. We'll see, see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, sorry about the nastiness this morning, but that's what I'm dealing with right now with the doctors. And I was just, I had a ton of stuff I was going to do this week, but I am just going to lock myself in the basement, get some podcasting done, just work around here, do things like that, work on my station and who knows, just relax for a few days and get through this damn thing. And 10 days of antibiotics to take. The last one I had, two times ago, it went nice and smooth. Everything worked out and antibiotics wiped it out. The last one I had, the antibiotics didn't do shit and I had to go to a different antibiotic. So I had to go longer trying to get rid of it. And the longer it takes, the more painful it's getting. So, yeah, it's not not going to be fun. And then when you do go to the bathroom, you're like, I'm not done. I still feel like I'm going to piss all over the place, but there's nothing coming out. So until you zip up and walk away and then you piss your pants. <laughs> yeah. That's another reason why I ain't going nowhere the next few days because yeah, all the nasty leakage and shit, it's just fucking disgusting. But Oh, it's the wonders of having MS and being a guy and something else you can have affect you, which I never had to deal with until these past probably five years I've dealt with UTIs. So, but let's get off that subject and let's look at some other things. What can we start with? How to manage multiple sclerosis pain. Each person with MS has a different pain story. The pain can affect different places in your body. It depends on the cause. Damage to the neurons in the brain and spine, aches in your bones, joints, and muscles. Lots of things affect what you feel, including how long you've had MS, your age, and how active you are. Yes, everybody's different. It's a snowflake disease. Depending on where you are progressive-wise and your age and all that, how long you've dealt with it, there's so many different aspects to the different types of pains that you can associate with multiple sclerosis. All over over body pain, I, I consider it basically like every cell in my body has been beaten and bruised with a baseball bat. 
every molecule, every cell, every skin flake, everything. Yeah. Many days of all over body pain. Pretty much every day's got all over body pain. <laughs> Just some days were way, way, way more intense than other days. Or some days certain areas are more intense than other areas. Uh, your feet, legs, and arms might burn and ache. In the early stages of the disease, you might feel a tightness around your belly or chest that gets worse at night after ex exercise or with changes in temperature. It's called the MS hug. It could make surprising it could, it could make surprising things uncomfortable, such as the feel of your bed covers or getting dressed. And I don't know why they say in the early stages, because I, as far as I know, people deal with MS hugs throughout all stages. Um, they say treatment. For it is the doctor will consider what kind of medicine you need. Nowadays, it's just so effed up. It's like I had to go see a pain management doctor, and he's like, "Well, I don't. You need to tell your doctors that they can prescribe whatever they need to prescribe because you don't need to be here. You are obviously in secondary progressive MS stage, and you're going to need." constant pain relief and I mean he understood it and he's not a neurologist and my MS specialist is the one that sent me to him and he's like well I can't prescribe nothing I gotta give you to a pain management place it's like oh really and depending on where how, what your pains are you can Try pain relievers like acetaminophen. You can use skin gel with pain relievers like lidocaine. Uh, there's medications for seizures or depression that can help also help with pain. Uh, they basically affect how your central nervous system reacts to pain. You can try warm compresses, pressure gloves. They help the pain change to the warmth. I've also found beneficial, especially with my sciatica bouts and stuff like that, to do like 15 minutes cold, 15 minutes hot, and just work back and forth. It kind of confuses the muscles and Helps relieve the pain a little bit. I've never found a, anything that's worked for actual pain relief. Uh, or getting ready to try something new here that's a pain patch. That's externally on the skin. Whereas I've been doing these stupid Belbuca pain mouth patches that I had to stick in. Try and let dissolve for up to an hour or so while I'm trying to keep them from not flipping around in the mouth and sticking to my dentures or chunks of it getting swallowed in my esophagus and then also it starts burning in there but uh, there's face pains that can feel like a horrible toothache 
or it could be stabbing pains in your eyes, cheek, or jaw. It can happen when you chew, talk, brush your teeth, just being yourself. And it may last a few seconds to a few minutes to a few weeks. To, <laughs> who knows? All these pains can last all kinds of different amounts of time. They can come and go. And it's just. There's nerve anti-seizure drugs and nerve drugs that you doctor might try uh, in extreme severe cases where medicine doesn't help you may need minor surgery to block those pain pathways I'm already getting well I haven't scheduled an appointment yet but I'm thinking next year next spring probably early in the year maybe I'll do it to get my deductible taken care of in the new year uh, but I'm, the way it looks, I'm definitely gonna go in and get my nerves in my left ear all burned out, cut, destroyed, whatever you say, call it. And that way I won't feel these pains anymore in my ear, at least. And then I'm kind of curious because if I cut those nerves in my left ear that's also my main area that I have trigeminal neuralgias has always been on my left side of my face until recently this last year last month or so I mentioned uh, I had extreme pain on the right side to face for a few days which sucks. I don't know if trigeminal, I've never heard of trigeminal neurology being on both sides of the face with anybody I knew. So I don't know if that can happen. Usually it's just one side at a time, but I don't know. You can have brief shocks in your neck or your head, electrical Stimulating feelings, uh, shocks, and electrical burning, searing, tingling, pains that can run down your spine and your arms and legs, also known as the Hermes, the Hermes syndrome. I think I'm using the right words today, hopefully. Uh, because I'm not reading these things. These things are just from the from the good old cog brain. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when you bend your head, you get the... Many of us get the electrical sensations that run down our spine and go into our limbs and stuff. Sometimes it's... I like to explain it as an electrical orgasm, but that's when it it's non-painful. Many times it's painful for me, but I also have those where it's not. It's just a really weird electrical orgasm feeling. Uh, which I'll take that over pain any day. But uh, they have neck collars to hold your head steady. They, and again, they'll use anti-seizure drugs, gabapentin, lamotrigin, pre-gabalin to ease pain. Uh, 
our muscles can have sudden spasms, tightness in the arms and legs and shoulders, anywhere where you have muscle-related areas. Uh, your hands claw at the air or your legs kick out or your fingers and joints go in all kinds of different directions. Uh, there can be painful movements. Uh, pain to touch, pain to movement, pain with emotion. Uh, there they might try pain relievers, drugs to ease muscle spasms, muscle relaxers. Baclofen's a popular one that they put us on early. Many doctors, Tizanidine, I'm on both Baclofen and Tizanidine right now. Diazepam, uh, Tizanidine I take at bedtime because that one's, that one can make you pretty funky and I don't want that have issues during the day if I'm out driving or something. So Baclofen I'll use during the day. I use my Tizanidine at night. Diazepam I haven't used yet, I don't think. I, well, actually, I might have used tried that with another neurologist back in the day, but it's been so many years, so many drugs. I don't even know which ones my doctors have prescribed over the years <laughs> anymore. Uh, Botox shots are a big thing for helping with certain muscles, muscle spasms and muscle pains. Uh they basically help by temporarily paralyzing a muscle or nerve. Uh, stretches and range of motion exercises can help loosen up those areas. Um, and they also have like Botox uh, units that you can have implanted in your body that will... I don't know. Is that the Botox? I don't know. They have, they have baclofen injectors and stuff like that. I think they have Botox type injector. There's all kinds of things that they can stick inside our body that will automatically inject the medicine into us when need be. Uh, back and bone pain. This can stem from too much pressure on our bones, joints, and muscles. It happens when you push your body to move. You can get it if you have a hard time walking or other movement problems. Uh, they may put you through physical therapy and massage, heat practices, meditation, tai chi, yoga, over-the-counter pain relievers like ibuprofen and aspirin can also help. They say, which I call bullshit. <laughs> There's no freaking aspirin or pain reliever, anything that's helped with those bone pains. It literally feels like someone's cracking my bone, like when I get it in my leg. It'll feel like, say, your leg bone on your shin. It feels like someone literally split it down the center and they're trying to pull that bone apart. And if you've ever ripped, certain bones apart that still have sinewy stuff in them and the things they're not all hard and rotted out they'll have like stringy bones that kind of like 
break off from the bone and kind of like it feels like those are connected and you're pulling and stretch it just I, it's hard to explain but that's the pain i feel and that's how i look at it i cannot understand that pain i don't know how you're supposed to cure a pain that's deep inside the bones like that but it is painful not all the time it's mild pain to severe pain but oh when i get them usually it's severe it just sucks mine are usually at night it's when i have it more often or when i'm physically doing a little bit more than normal uh head pains like migraines uh stabbing pains facial pains and there's just all kinds of different pains that i have dealt with in my head uh, neck shoulders jaw ears <laughs> temples and every everywhere throughout the head i've had stabbing cutting burning electrifying scratching feeling uh Bug sensations, like you're a drug addict and you have bugs crawling all over you. The unending itches of the nose and stuff like that. Just, yeah. They'll use depression type drugs that might help with those things and help treat pain. Botox can relax certain muscles in your head and They've also tried things like hypnosis, mindfulness, cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's also good to have social support and loved ones to help you just get through those pains. I mean, they can't really do nothing, but just someone there to listen to you scream out and deal with the never-ending issues of the pains that come with ms it's just it's like my wife eh? my wife <laughs> she'll be sitting there and she knows and she picks on me now <clears throat> which is fine i love her to death and i'll deal with it but i'll just i'll just grunt out or just uh, or uh, just blowing heavy breaths or other all kinds of weird noises just it's like i'll be walking around a store the house and i'll be making all kinds of grunting groaning blowing by just all kinds of different noises coming out of my mouth it's just kind of a release just kind of a it's like an exhale of an exhale of pain release is just that second of letting things go even though they're not going to go they're still going to be there but yeah it's just you're just so tired of dealing with it that you just gotta gotta cry out gotta just throw out some type of pain release but yeah then my wife will just copy me, mimic me, or <laughs> be an annoying little twit about it.
Sorry, I needed a drink of water. My mouth is really dry. And our segment, first part of the show, is almost over anyways. Time's running out, so I'm going to end this here and get to more stuff. Right after this, so hang in. We'll be back. Don't go away. Don't leave us yet, man. We're in pain. Hang out with us. Help us. Breathe with us. But yeah, I'll be right back. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. Let's see what else we can talk about today. So it helps to be at the top of the list. Uh, some medications and treatment options for secondary progressive MS. What else do they got? Saponamide. See, it's like I'm getting ready to... I'm done with year two of Mavenclad. So now do I go on something else? Do I say, hey, screw it. I'm going to take a break for a while. I don't know. Not sure. In, I think, March. March or April, I will be having a MRI done. Yeah, because they wanted me to come back in six months. And then have an MRI done right before my appointment at the same place. So that's going to be nice for once, not having to go somewhere else. And do the MRI and then come to the doctor a week or two later and go over the MRI. This way we'll go over everything right away. It'll all be a surprise to both of us. No one's going to know anything ahead of someone else. We'll be able to look at everything together. And talk about it. I'm hoping that I get this new neurologist again. I enjoyed him this last visit. So I'd like to see him with my MS neurologist next time also, hopefully. Uh, And I got to talk to him anyways. Because he was carrying a cane but not using it. And I want to know why he had the cane with him. And so I want to find out some more. I'd love to have a doctor that has MS himself. Sorry, I don't want a doctor to have MS, but at least someone that understands more of our experience is always a plus. But, but yeah, I'm not sure what we'll end up doing. But let's see. The first one on the list they got is Sipanamod Mazent. So in 2019, FDA approved saponamide to treat relapsing forms of MS, including secondary progressive MS. It's taken orally as a pill once a day. I can deal with that. But studies show that it slows MS progression and lowers the number of relapses. Well, I'm not dealing with a relapsing part. I'm dealing with a permanent when I when the shit hits me it's not a relapse anymore it's just more of a yeah this is another new thing that I'm dealing with now (laughs) and yeah sometimes they go away and then come back but majority of them just stick around nowadays uh this acts on the cells of the immune system can increase the risk of infection. 
it's another one where they'll have to watch the blood cell counts and it's what i've been dealing with a lot lately and all these medications if you're pregnant you definitely got to talk to your doctors this one you should should not use if you're pregnant uh some other risks of this medication are inflammation in the macular of the eye called macular edema, vision changes, slowed heart rate, lung problems, liver damage, developmental issues for a fetus. I'm not interested in, not really interested in doing that one. I've never heard anything about it. Good or bad, so I don't see a reason to try that one. Next one's cladribine, which is Mavenclad, which I was on, so I won't be taking that one again. Next one up is my Toxintrone, which is also Novintrone. It's originally used as a cancer medication, but now it's been FDA approved for treating treating certain types of MS, including secondary progressive MS. It stops immune cells from attacking the myelin sheath that protects the nerves. It may help reduce disability in people with secondary progressive MS. Taken as an infusion every three months. Side effects include congestive heart failure. The doctor may chart, check your heart health before you start taking the drug. And not recommended for use during pregnancy. Basically, if you got secondary pre- progressive MS, better wrap that little rascal and not plan on getting anybody pregnant because you're done. If you're going to be on any type of medications for multiple sclerosis from this point on, every one of them has some type of issue with pregnancy. So if you're going to get someone knocked up, you better do it before you (laughs) get to this stage of MS, (laughs) in my opinion. Uh, Ofatumumab, also known as Kasimpta. It's a DMT that's been FDA approved for treating relapsing forms of MS in adults, including secondary progressive MS. It's a drug known as a monoclonal antibody. It lowers the activity of some types of immune B cells. These cells may contribute to nerve damage in people with MS. It comes pre-filled in pens or syringes that you can inject at home. The feast, the feast, the first three doses will be weekly, and then there'll be a break of one week. After that, you'll use them monthly. Common side effects are swelling, itching, or pain around the injection site, fever, headache, other flu-like symptoms, low levels of some types of antibodies, and a higher risk of an upper respiratory tract infection. Not suitable for use during pregnancy. There's ponesamod, which is ponbury, which 
I mean, all these are set up for SPMS, obviously, because that's what we're talking about right now. It's a drug that's known as a selective sphingosine 1-phosphate receptor 1 modulator. Scientists believe it helps the lymph nodes retain certain white blood cells, which stop them from circulating in the blood. This pre prevents them from entering the brain and spinal cord. Uh, you take it as a tablet once a day. Side effects. Some possible side effects are a higher risk of upper respiratory tract infection, liver problems, and high blood pressure. Not suitable for people with a history of heart problems, so I definitely can't take that one. And then if you're living with active secondary progressive MS, the National MS Society recommends trying one of the many DMTs that are FDA approved for treating relapsing forms of MS. So I don't think the National MS Society should recommend what medication I take. I think the doctors should be doing that. Some of the medications that may reduce how often you experience relapses are LM-tuzumab, which is Lemtrada, dimethylfumarate, which is Tecfidera, Fingolimod, which is Jelenia, Vatimir acetate, which is Copaxone, Interferon Beta-1A, which is Avonex and Rebif, Interferon Beta-1B, which is Betaceron and Extavia, Natalizumab, which is Tisabri, Ocrelizumab, which is Ocrevis, Teraflunamide, which is Albagio, Ozanamide, which is Zaposia, Direximal Fumarate, which is Vumeridae, Ponnesimide, which is Ponbury. One thing <laughs> I can tell you, two years ago, I couldn't have said 90% of that shit. But doing my podcasting and stuff has helped me cognitively, wonderfully with my cognitive issues. So I suggest definitely keeping your brain active and working with things that just keep it going and firing so the cog fog doesn't get as bad as it can. Uh, some medications that can help with relapses. If you have them, including methotrexate and corticosteroids, a doctor can also prescribe treatments for specific symptoms such as amantadine, which is gocovri or oxmalex, modafinil, which is provigil, and methylphenidate, which is ritalin, to relieve tiredness, uh, citalopram, which is Celexa, Fluoxetine, which is Prozac, and Zertraline, which is Zoloft, to, to treat depression. There's Delfam, Delfampridine, which is Ampira, to improve walk walking ability. Deluxetine, which is Cymbalta, Gabapentin, which is Neurontin, and Ben... Ben La, Benlafaxine, which is Effexor to ease pain. There's muscle relaxants to relieve muscle stiffness and spasm. There's oxybutynin, 
Oxy Troll, which there's Tan Tamsolucin, which is Flomax, and Tolteridine, which is Detrol, to treat bladder problems. And pretty much I've tried a lot of those or am on some of them. Uh, but other things you can do to help manage your secondary progressive MS is exercise and physical therapy may help improve mobility and lower pain. Time management strategies can help you avoid fatigue while cooling devices can also ease symptoms. And there's lots more things you can do above and beyond all that stuff. But it's just a game, a game of seeing what works and what doesn't work and dealing with the side effects along with it, which ones cause extra side effects. And I got to take a swig of water. I'm getting burnt out here. <laughs> Too many weird names. Ah, another wonderful issue is sex for men with MS and for women, but this one talks about for men, so don't yell at me. I'm just looking at the articles. Uh, your pelvic floor has a big role in your sexuality. A uh, physical therapist for pelvic floor muscles can help with that. There's small saddle muscles upon which you sit that play a vertical vital role in your sexuality they do more for you than you might know and having ms impacts them in specific ways uh, you might be asked to imagine your saddle muscles like an elevator that can move up and down within the elevator elevator shaft When you're living your life and not thinking about them, your pelvic floor muscles are at rest, but they are slightly activated to hold up your organs. The at-rest position of the muscles is like an elevator that is at the level of the lobby of the hotel. When you bear down to pee or poop, these same muscles must drop down and open. During the passing of urine or stool, the pelvic floor muscles descend and the elevator is in the basement of the hotel. I, I don't know. I suggest doing pelvic floor exercises. Uh, work with the therapist if you have to. Um, uh, during orgasm, the pelvic floor muscles contract vigorously and rise up into the body. Having an orgasm is similar to the elevator rising to the third floor of the hotel. This muscular contraction is like any other in the body. It strengthens the muscles and brings new blood to the area. So the importance of orgasms. This is where things get interesting. I'm just reading what they wrote. <laughs> Lots of people at a certain age or at a certain decline in their perceived bodily function essentially stop having sex. This occurs for many reasons, as the depression surrounding life events or diagnosis of MS 
can reduce libido. The urge to climax is often not there, but did you know that having an orgasm is a valuable tool to help the muscles of the pelvic floor pumping and exchanging blood? Penetrative sex is often the first thing to be affected by MS in men. The penis must be very rigid to accomplish this, this. But there are so many other different kinds of sex to be enjoyed. If you are a man whose erections are not as firm as they once were, it can be helpful to masturbate to achieve the sensation of climax. Climax does not require an erection at all, but will have the same sensation and effect on the pelvic floor muscles. Uh, Those who use catheters and have some tenderness along the shaft of the penis can still climax. This is a highly sensitive area of the penis called the penulum. This is an erogenous V-shaped area located on the underside of the glands. And it is rich in sensory nerve endings. Not if your body's completely numb from your ribs to your toes. Uh, Using a small vibrator from an online sex store that is placed over a finger and stimulating the fenulum can result in orgasms without irritating the urethral opening where the catheter is inserted. Don't give up on sex. Some of you remember that the elevator is a serious workout for the muscles. Research shows that during climax, the part of your brain that is associated with fear and withdrawal from life, known as the amygdala, is deactivated. This is the reset for your brain, and you will feel rewarded with happiness rather than stifled by anxiety. Finally, having an orgasm does not require that you can, that you can walk or even have an erection. What are they saying there? <laughs> Finally, having an orgasm does not require that you can walk or even have an erection. Oh, okay. It just requires a little creativity and the willingness to surrender what you thought sex should look like versus what it can be. Uh, consider... But yeah, orgasms are important. And apparently help with other issues that we may be dealing with. And there are many different ways that you can achieve them. Even if you're having problems with erections and working with your significant other. We're going to do a... I'm trying to get... I'm going to contact them today. I'm working with a company right now. And I'm trying to get some items and uh, some referencing, referential, referencing type of uh, links and materials to help uh, people find other means to deal with their issues and uh, both male and female. And I think I'm going to do a YouTube video about it within the next, hopefully within the next 
Oh, we'll just say within the next month. I'd like to get something out there before the new year. So uh, I'll contact the company today, see what's up, what's going on with everything, and see if we can get this going, rolling, because we all know Climax is highly important. <laughs> I will I will look into tons of stuff to see what I can do to help all of us deal with the issues that, that we have to deal with and see if we can find some fun ways to make things a little bit more exciting and a little bit easier on our life and our loved ones. And maybe help relationship-wise. And a lot of people, once you're diagnosed with MS, relationships go to shit. Significant others don't want to deal with the future that they know is coming where they're going to have to deal with our handicap asses and help get us around and maybe wipe us or bathe us or clean us or have to move us around do different things and they're afraid of that future and what it can offer and they don't want to be left out from things that they want to experience in life even though we're screwed and we don't get to experience those things they don't want to help support us along the way with us and relationships fall apart that way and a lot of them fall apart because of sexual issues and stuff so I feel that's a big thing with the new year and I want to do a special a special sexual segment video about that so I'm gonna work on that this afternoon see who if I can get a hold of these people get the ball rolling on certain things and then we'll do a video it's a very embarrassing video for me but a, hopefully a helpful video for everybody else but <clears throat> all right MS numbness I've mentioned it before. I'm asleep from my forearms to my fingertips, my rib cage to my toes. Uh, and I have numbness issues throughout other parts of my body at random times and stuff like that. But those areas have been permanent for God. I don't even know anymore. It's been probably 30 years. Who knows? You know, it's been most of my life as long as I can freaking remember. But, uh, let's see. Why am I on, I'm on a different one here? On the wrong one. Numbness head. It's one of the first symptoms that sent this person to the doctor. Uh, they're not getting, this is more of a person telling his experience. Some days it's a minor inconvenience. However, there are plenty of times when it significantly impacts their life. Much of the numbness they experience are in their legs, feet, arms, hands, and occasionally their face. It can feel like a tingling sensation, vibrating pins and needles, or like the area is asleep or dead. 
Sometimes the affected area will feel like a bunch of bees buzzing. If you can imagine that as a physical sensation, these periods of numbness can last anywhere from a few minutes to several days or your whole life as far as uh, most of my life at least. Uh, numbness is more than just a loss of feeling. Uh, numbness in your feet and legs can get to the point that it impacts your ability to walk. And when your hands are numb, it can be intense and can make it difficult to hold or grab objects. Like when you're eating or working on something or using the bathroom can become a challenge. Uh, swallowing can become difficult when you have face numbness. Uh, your speech can be heavily impacted. Uh, yeah, going in the bathroom. Uh, I've just, I've learned little things to help me know when I'm at a certain point and stuff. But yeah, you, there's a lot of times where I can't tell if I'm peeing or shitting or both or neither. And yeah, that's where all the wonderful pads and underwears and diapers and all that shit comes into effect. It's like when things get really bad, you got to use devices like that or you just end up dealing with accidents and then you're also dealing with embarrassment and not wanting to leave your house and go do things. Yeah. Uh, numbness triggers can be set off by things like stress, uh, temperatures, physical impacts, uh, lack of sleep, being around loud noises, and even minor illnesses. A common cold is often enough to make a bunch of symptoms get worse for some people. Uh, numbness can affect, set off speech issues. Uh, yeah, there's lots of things that it can cause. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Probably the biggest area where numbness has impacted this person has been with driving. Not knowing if your feet or hands will suddenly go numb makes driving incredibly dangerous. And sometimes they rarely ever do now. Uh, I don't want to give up my driving. But yeah, I understand. I know exactly what he's talking about. And it's just, I don't have access to public transportation. I'm not living in a big city where I can just have a grocery store deliver my stuff. Yeah, I could order from Amazon and all that shit, but I'm living on a limited budget, and that can get expensive, too. <clears throat> I like to go shop and get the discounts and save as much as I can. But, yeah, driving's always been a thing that I know one day is going to be stopped, and it worries me. But it's better than having me on a road and cause an accident with someone. But 
there's lots of other issues that come along with things that could cause me to stop driving. It's like between all my medications and side effects and issues that I deal with with MS and other life issues I have. It's just, uh, numbness may not sound like a significant issue at first, but it's a much more impactful symptom then you start to, when you start to think about it, it's not as simple as the numbness you get when you fall asleep on your, on one of your limbs. You can't simply shake the feeling back into it. I try, <laughs> I do try a lot, but it just doesn't do shit. But it's like, come on, man, it's getting worse and worse. The tingling's getting more extreme. Uh, like the last movie I went to is between two people and I just sat there. I didn't have my recliner out or anything. I just sat upright and had my shoulders pressed tightly against my body and my hands crossed. And so that just made the pain and numbness worse. So I'm just constantly trying to shake them and make the pain go away, but it wasn't doing shit for it. But it's like... What you're going to do, you're trying to get comfortable and you can't because you're crammed between two people. And it's like, yeah, it's, it was enjoyable going, getting back to the movies after like 20, 30 years of not going. And now I'm to the point where I might have to stop again if I can't get going and actually be comfortable and enjoy sitting there watching the movie. And my happy place is to have a seat between me and the person next to me. That way I can set stuff on that seat or whatever. And I can use both both arm rails and just relax comfortably, not worrying about bumping against someone and rubbing against them. But unlike some asshole who lets his kid kick me and climb on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's see. It's not as simple as numbness. Okay. Numbness from MS is unpredictable and can greatly impact your level of disability. Nerves carry information from the body to brain. I got to see where my timer is. Oh, we're out of time. But yeah, numbness sucks. 